This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Our country vowed to never forget 21 years ago. But those words require action. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has over 80 runs, walks, and climbs across America every year, plus dozens of more golf outings and barbecues you can be part of. There are so many ways that you can take action. Register for an event in your area or volunteer to start one. Do good and never forget by donating $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Is it me, or did Jennifer Aiden's drunk ass make anybody miss life pre-COVID? I'm ready to go back to the days where my drunk ass somehow uh, gets put in the back of an Uber and winds up home, and I wake up the next morning with my big ass drawers on and nothing else. I'm ready to get back as life as usual. And you know what? I got one more week, and then I get my next COVID shot. Baby, I'm going back to regular life and it ain't shit y'all can tell me. It's your weekly reality TV roundup episode of me and you, the Housewives and Marvel 2. Let's get it! Hey guys, this is the self-proclaimed season ticket holder of pop culture and your mama's favorite black geek. I'm Kendrick host of the Me and You, the Housewives and Marvel 2 podcast, a podcast that 
through my own random and winding rants, discusses everything related to pop culture. Everything from reality TV, to the MCU, to the DCEU, to all of the hot topics being discussed on CNN, NBC, BET, ABC, and 123. Grab your wine glass, sit back, and get ready to cuss and fuss right along with me. Woo! Y'all, this has been a a heavy week. We've been focused on all of the injustices done to our Asian American brother and sisters. It's been a lot. And I I know it goes without saying because most of y'all interact with me on a daily basis on Instagram and the emails, wherever you guys interact with me. But we got to stop the shit. Like the shit that's going on, the stuff that happened in Atlanta this week is absolutely ridiculous nobody should be doing these targeted attacks on any minority community right now it's especially happening to the asian community and i want everyone to know that i stand in solidarity right along with you the same way asian americans stood up for black lives mattering i'm gladly standing up with you guys in this fight i'm here for whatever you need this shit has got to stop i don't know what the hell is going on with these domestic terrorists they're afraid to call them that, but that's what they are. I don't know what the hell is going on with these domestic terrorists, but we got to figure that shit out and we got to keep their asses in jail or uh, six feet under where the hell they belong. I don't listen. I ain't encouraging nobody getting killed or nothing, but cut the shit out. I'm here to hopefully help put a smile on you guys' face after such a rough week. I I don't know. Some of y'all might be feeling pretty good. Uh, stimulus checks have been hidden. They've been rolling in pretty good. I know I bought me some new goodies. I'm going to start. I told you guys, y'all have been reaching out to me and uh, saying you guys will support a Patreon. I'm definitely starting a Patreon soon. I've been buying a lot of goodies, some uh, new cameras, some new backdrops. You know, uh, I, I got some new mask. Y'all know I, I love my mask. Now, don't, don't worry about it, okay? I got some good stuff. All that good stuff is coming soon. I'm here to put a smile on your face. Yeah, I bought it with that stimmy money. That's why I, <laughs> That's why I threw it out there. Don't play with me. Um, I'm ready to talk about this week in reality TV. Let's try to put some smiles on a couple of faces. And you know what? The freshest thing in my mind is this week's episode of Married at First Sight. Oh my God, this show is just so damn good. I'm so glad I've been watching. I got caught up and then started watching week to week because these couples on this season, boy, oh boy, I... This whole season, I've been rooting so hard for Paige. And, you know, I'm like, you know, Chris ain't shit. Leave him. Do what you got to do. I'm sick of this shit. Black, black, black. A bitch got hit with my Soraka Vaka Chopper. You know, I'm I'm just like, I'm I'm sick of it all. Now I won't pay. I won't despair for everybody on this show. <laughs> Not everybody, but everybody. Okay, let's go ahead and get into Married at First Sight. I'm going to do this a little differently. I'm going to talk about them as couples. So there are five couples on the show. I'm just going to take them one by one. Let's go ahead and kick it off with Eric and Virginia. Eric is insecure as fuck. He wants to regulate everything she does. And now that he's actually said those, I love you, words, now he feels like he can do the most when it comes to giving her orders. They start the episode off uh, talking to 
each other about social media and how he doesn't really like her having guy friends or liking guys pictures and staying away from ex-boyfriends and you shouldn't be following them anyway on social media, all this kind of stuff. And I think it struck me the exact same way that it struck Virginia. And she said out of her mouth, she couldn't decide if she wanted to be annoyed or if she wanted to just overlook it and let it go. Like she does a lot of the shit he does. I, she, she, she better than me. He makes a passive aggressive comment like, you know, uh, uh, like only he can. And of course she lets it go. Child, y'all just, the people y'all pick, y'all just let them walk all over y'all asses. When they do their counseling session, because they're doing counseling sessions all throughout this episode, we learned that, or at least what I pulled from it, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but y'all know I'd be pulling, I'd be grasping the straws. I'd be pulling the hell out of some of this stuff. It sounds like they have different political and like overall worldviews, like friendships uh, between men and women, politics, all kind of stuff. See, it was a lot of coded language during this counseling session. He was saying things like she's passionate about, quote unquote, social issues. And I don't really care about those kind of things. I come from the military. I have different views. Now, see, how do y'all read that? Because you maybe I'm just look, I'm a black man in America. I I read stuff a little bit differently than some people might. I've read that a certain way, but I didn't want to, you know, I, I don't want to put that on him if that's not what he's saying. But, you know, because when he my ass immediately sat up on my couch and I just screamed out black trans lives matter because quit playing with me, bitch. OK, <laughs> I just felt, you know, he was never going to say it just like Craig Conover from Southern Charm. OK, anyway. Then kids come up somehow and he continues to overtalk her and who they they're a lot. They're almost as bad as Chris and Paige at this point, which I know is super weird to say, but they are. They just they do a whole lot later. He reveals to her that when they're all done, that like cheating is a really big issue for him because he's been cheated on in every single relationship. See, now it all makes sense. Now it's all coming full circle about why the hell you so damn crazy. See, if, it, if I was Virginia, though, I'd be like, damn, can I at least have the chance to cheat on you first before you start doing all this? I mean, damn, you give me all the punishments and I ain't even done nothing yet. Can I at least cheat first? I should have cheated. Well, I'm blanking on the words in that anyway. Uh, you know, you know, Keisha Cole liable to sue somebody anyway. So let me not sing her shit on her. But then she starts kind of talking about her parents were always constantly fighting, which is why she's been so apprehensive about having kids. So basically both of them are just as fucked up as the rest of us. So, I mean, (laughs) this lot, y'all just keeping counseling and maybe y'all will be able to make it. I don't know. I don't know if I'm rooting against y'all or rooting for y'all at this point, but I feel like I'm rooting against (laughs) y'all. I don't know why. I feel like it's more so on him than on her. I almost want her to, Fly like a bird, I want to fly away. I, I don't know why that song popped in my head. Child, I started singing somebody other than Keisha Cole, her suing ass. Anyway, let's move on to Vincent and Brianna. Vincent and Brianna have their first session with the counselor or the doctor from the show. Child, I be forgetting both of their names. Y'all forgive me. Y'all know I, I start every season of the show and then, you know, you miss the episode of this. It's like missing a bachelor. Child, that should be two hours. You be like, oh, hell no. Nah. I'm just, I, I'll catch y'all next season. I done fucked around and got uh, uh six hours behind because you missed three episodes. Oh, hell no. Nah. But that's how it is. But I'm sticking with this season. 
I forget their name sometimes, but y'all will forgive me. They talk about the uh, the That's So Vinny comment that I mentioned from last week when I did kind of the introductions on all the characters. And they learn to address stuff on the spot instead of letting it linger and then bringing it up later on and all this kind of stuff so that they can learn each other's triggers on the spot. That way they can like address it politely instead of addressing it later when it's had time to fester. Now, see, I like that. And you see that y'all actually doing shit. This is why it pays to have other therapists on TV besides Dr. Jeff. Dr. Jeff, I'm so sick of your... See, I, I feel like I've been slandering Dr. Jeff for a full week now. I don't know why, but Dr. Jeff, damn you, okay? They then talk about their salsa class, and I actually related a whole lot to Vincent here. A whole lot, Okay. Y'all know I gave him the business last week when his childish ass was uh, acting and pouting up in that damn salsa class because he couldn't get the moves and kept kept going right instead of left because his ass don't child. Let me. Um. Anyway, <laughs> but he actually admits that he came in with a bad attitude to the class. Bravo! I'm glad you at least had enough nerve to admit it. But then he said that he also, his shirt was way just it was too small. It didn't fit him because he had gained a little weight. Now, see, bitch, you preaching to the motherfucking choir now. We've all been there. I remember, oh, y'all, <laughs> let me take y'all back a little bit. Back, 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 and forth. See, uh, Aaliyah go suit my ass, too. I know she can't, but that raggedy-ass uncle of hers that's keeping all that music, he probably go suit my ass anyway. I'm sorry, Aaliyah. Let me apologize now before that raggedy-ass man come find me. I remember I didn't have a shirt. I didn't try a shirt on before this like band concert in high school at the time and bitch i was in symphonic band you know all the band people you know that was the best band okay i went to little concert band i was symphonic okay i was only in that bitch because i was the only motherfucker dumb enough to play the bassoon <laughs> then nobody else know how to play it I, I i started playing it in middle school child i had big enough hands so they was like yeah you play the bassoon and we'll we'll push your ass through i'm like that's fine with me because i'm not really trying to try that hard no damn way I showed up to that concert in that little ass shirt looking like Beyonce when she was pregnant at the Grammys. Ten times out of nine, I know you're lying. And nine times out of ten, I know you're trying. So I'm trying to be fair. And you try, child, let me. See, I'm going to fuck around and get sued this episode. And you know the, the Carters, they got real lawyers. See, Keisha Gold, she'll be trying to get Phaedra to come after me. I get, I might be able to fight Phaedra. But I, Beyonce and them, they got, uh, they'll call that lady. What's that lady name that every time a woman say something in Hollywood, she jump on the case because she try to get the money? What's her, is that Gloria Allred? <laughs> Let me stop. Child, I'm, I'm going to get sued from every angle this time. Y'all, this might be my last podcast episode, so I might as well go out with a bang. Let's go ahead and move on to that damn, oh Lord, that damn Paige and Chris. Ooh, Paige and Chris. I I feel like y'all just, y'all could be a whole episode by y'all damn self. Listen, I forgot last week's episode ended with them, quote unquote, starting fresh and, you know, hitting the reset button, you know. I hate all of y'all. <laughs> I just want y'all to know I hate everybody involved. Production, cameraman, uh, the lighting specialist, the uh, body doubles. I hate everybody on this damn show. Y'all really sit up and let these people reset as if they didn't need to get divorced and get restraining orders put out on them. But that's a, that's a story for another day. She hasn't heard from him since that man said he wanted to reset and start fresh. She ain't heard shit from him. He actually shows up to the counseling session, though, surprisingly, because I, I, you never know where his damn head at. Sometimes he chooses world peace, but in a gaslighting way. 
Other times he chooses violence, but it, it you know it's not you know it's not fist punch violence. It's like he chooses violence in a a open palm swish swish hit across the face kind of way. You know it ain't it ain't nothing to really just fear. But you child, you know them open them open palm slaps be hidden sometimes. Ooh, Lord, if, if it connect just right, you know what I'm talking about. The counselor shows up. He says that he has become depressed since receiving the news that he's going to have a baby. She says that it's all like reliving everything all over again. She feels secondary now because she feels like the baby takes precedence over a wife, a wife that you've only known since you two met at the Hilton Garden Inn two weeks ago in that damn conference room at the hotel where y'all had this damn marriage. I'm just saying, when it gets back to Chris, this damn man said, I don't feel like my heart is in it, which is a complete, like, 180 from what he said just a week ago. Wait, wait. I said, wait, wait. But see that? You are the most confusing person on the fucking planet page is getting annoyed duh which she should be finally because she doesn't know what they're doing anymore girl how you think we feel you sent up to tell me i said i just i don't i don't know what we're doing anymore we we haven't known since the first episode when that man said he wasn't attracted to you we haven't known what the hell y'all were doing since then but you know what we let y'all do it <laughs> you know why because we believe in freedom how about that it only gets worse because later they try to sit down and craft their week out together. Chat, that man act like he's so goddamn busy. Like he, I mean, he Jeff Bezos, uh, the ghost of Steve Jobs, and uh, the people that worked at Enron all together. Like he just busy, busy, busy. He finally says, "Well, you know what? Let me bring some food over one night." She's like, "Ooh, great. Okay, we can and we can just you know play some card games at night." He says, "Oh, I won't." W O N apostrophe T won't play card games. Not don't like not. I don't play them. I won't play card games. That man said, you know what? Let's Bible study that night instead. Listen, <laughs> don't bring God into this. Okay. God said, now why am I in it? You see, I get thrown and stuff. I ain't even did nothing. I know that's right. God later they actually did have bible study though a little bible study date and listen i, I was focusing on the wrong thing okay <clears throat> as as a boy a negro <laughs> a k n e e g r o w a negro i w- my ears kind of perked up during the scene chris came in and said i brought you some of the world famous chicken from chicago and it's the best in the world I said, best in the world, best in the world. Boy, I come from Memphis. You better quit playing with me. I know plenty of people from the South. You're not just going to tell us you got the best chicken in the Midwest and we ain't going to put up a motherfucking fight. You don't have the best chicken now. Quit playing with me. Quit playing with me. See, let me stop. This is getting dangerously close to being stereotypical (laughs) and I'm being dead serious. That's the problem. So let me quit. I know I have a lot of white viewers. Hey, white viewers. And just like uh, Matt James said, I might be the only uh, black representative child. We're going to get into that shit later. Them uh, them, uh, ignorant. Anyway, they have Bible study and I barely paid attention because I felt like they were going to send us to hell. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) But when that man said, Speaking of the baby, you know my ears perked right up. I was like a dog that heard, you want to go outside? You want to go outside? Come on, baby, let's go outside. My ears perked right up. That man said his baby mama got into a bad car accident 
And that shit, it should have taken her life like years ago, but it didn't. So she hasn't driven in years because of that. And she only does like ride share, you know, Uber, Lyft, all that other kind of shit. Because of that, that man opens his mouth and said he bought her a brand new Benz to ride around in. Brand new Benz. See, in my mind, you send it a message. I'm just saying, I don't know. I, I can come, I can come down either way on this issue. I can be team Chris or team page on this, but I'm way more inclined to be team page. Even though she didn't outright say it was an issue. That feels like an issue to me. Of course, get your, get the mother of your child a car. Of course she deserves something to ride around. And that's going to be the, she's going to be carrying your child. She's going to be taking care of your child. They need to be able to get around again, but buy her a brand new Benz. God, that might be, a, I don't know. I I just feel a little ways about that, especially when you got a wife that you didn't discuss it with. Now, I know y'all doing this little pretend marriage, so you ain't really got to discuss it with her. <laughs> but that, to me, that feels like you trying to send a signal to her. It feels like you trying to buy your baby mother's love because last week she said she didn't want to be with your ass no way. And now you trying to, still trying to play both sides and figure out which team you want to be on and whoever will take me. I'm glad to go. Here I come, sis. Here I come, niece. I'm coming. And I'm coming. Here I come, baby. Let's move on to uh, Clara and Ryan because, who you know, I can talk about Chris and Paige all damn day. Them people, them people are draining. Let's talk about this little uh, boring ass, sexless ass couple, <laughs> Clara and Ryan. Clara and Ryan start off by doing the exercise that the therapist sent them home with. They start answering just random. You know, they have like a fishbowl. They start pulling out random questions and they start answering them. And we relearn that Ryan still has some intimacy issues that are directly tied to trust issues. And then we learned that one of Clara's triggers comes from her last relationship with her and her boyfriend. Now get this, her and her boyfriend slept together a total of three times in one year. You heard me three times in one year. You want me to say it again? Three times in one year. Yeah. That's what she said. I don't blame her because, you know, she coming across as really sexually frustrated on this show. Well, it sounds like you ain't had it in a while. So I'd be, listen, Ryan, I have to get the hell out of my house. I'd have to get on Tinder or <laughs> Grinder or Hinge or, or Timey or whatever <laughs> she call because y'all bullshitting that. During their, uh, you know, she, she says that she doesn't feel desirable. And so she's scared that history is going to start to repeat itself. I I definitely get it. During their counseling session, they address the kind of sexual frustration between them, how Clara is a much more physically sexual person than Ryan is. He couldn't even tell that lady when he think they might knock the boots. Good party rocking, knocking, knocking boots all night long. Come on, H-Town. Clara, run, bitch, run. I'm just, no, I'm playing because Ryan seems like, like an amazing guy. Like he'd be a great husband, but damn Ryan, everybody need the cobwebs, uh, uh, knocked out the corner of the ceiling every now and then you playing. Then the counselor asks Ryan for a moment alone with Clara and they start having a like a little conversation about intimacy and all this kind of stuff and what she needs from Ryan. And the question gets brought up. Do you think Ryan was dishonest about whether or not he's a virgin? child look <laughs> now the people the people think ryan ain't never been up in no skin before i you know what i it's a valid question because 
it seems like virgin maybe issue. I don't know. It's a question that deserves to be asked. He claims he's been with people before, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but I, at that point, I was so damn close to the TV because I needed to know. You hear me? I needed to know. When he finally rejoined them, they ask, you know, they start talking about how Clara has never had an emotional connection to sex and how it never has, like, been asked of her before. And now she nervous with that man because that man won't uh, slang no dick her way. This is just, I mean, it's it's a lot. I, I, I want all five of these couples to break the fuck up. How about that? <laughs> Especially Jacob and Haley. Let's move on to Jacob and Haley. The last couple we're going to talk about, and then we'll move on to another show. Cause let's talk about Jacob and Haley. They talked to the counselor and Haley came in dropping bombshells. She was saying like, even though they hit the reset button, which we saw last week, and that they've been on a relatively good page ever since, she said she's never had this much difficulty connecting with people. Now, not necessarily, you know, people for relationship, but just people in general. She's never had this much time, you know, this much strife connecting with someone. She said that she hadn't had much, you know, issues in that, that he's too much into the 80s. She said his clothes looking a little thrifty in my Jocelyn Hernandez voice. Then she asked, well, do you find him attractive? Look, Haley said, <laughs> Haley had to sit there and think about it for a minute. Like she was on Jeopardy. The music started playing and everything. She said, well, I was kind of the middle of the road when we met, you know, when I was walking down the aisle towards him. But then I was only, you know, I was doing the work to kind of build that foundation and that connection. But she felt like she was the only one doing that. So then she immediately lost that spark. They both want to work it out, or so they claim. I don't know. Another, you know, we get to another day. The counselor pop her ass back over there, unannounced at their house, talking to Haley. Now, see, I could have sworn I told y'all asses about popping over people's house unexpected. Y'all remember last week when Juicy popped up over Beera's house on Little Women Atlanta, and now all of a sudden, uh, uh she's supposed to accommodate her. Hell no, nah, Beera sat her ass out on their porch. She said, uh-uh, I ain't clean. Uh, a dinner cooking on the stove. Nah, let's sit out here, baby. You ain't about to go in my damn house. I know that's right, Beera. She couldn't come in mine either. Another day, after the counselor pops over unannounced, she reads Haley, who's the only one she's speaking to at this point, she reads a portion of her initial questionnaire, you know, like the questionnaire that they had to fill out to be on the show. She reads her a portion of it where she confesses to picking guys absolutely apart. And then she realizes, you know, she's saying, okay, I realized that. So I need to do better with the next guy. And then that vicious cycle just keeps going over and over and over again. She had to remind her ass, bitch, you married you mad <laughs> at least give your damn husband a chance if you won't get nobody else on the planet a chance at least give your husband a chance now see these damn uh married at first sight people they'll take your ass through it but it'd be two good ass hours of tv if you have still haven't started watching go fire up that dvr this weekend just crank through a couple of episodes you know you got to make it through the wedding episode shit the wedding episodes beat uh, th- the first three damn episodes you'd be like god damn that's six hours of wedding then i didn't need to see all this but hey if they if they like it i love it let's go ahead and move on to i'm very happy to announce the bachelor 
Now, not because I'm excited to talk about The Bachelor, but because this is the last time that I got to talk about Matt James and The Bachelor on this damn show. I'm so glad they finale this week. I don't know what to do. I've been so sick of Matt James for so long. I'm going to tell you what. I've been sick of Matt James ass since Heather left. What's her name? No, Victoria. That was it. Queen Victoria. Ever since she left, I've been sick of. I've been tired. I've been sick of. You know, I don't. I've been. I've been over it. They, and it just been, you know, he lame, vanilla. So I'm sick of it. But. I'm ready for the Bachelorette, both seasons that we got coming up. We'll get to that part in a minute. But let's go ahead and talk about this lackluster finale and that after the roll special. I was thinking about not covering either one of them, but let me run through them, okay? <laughs> Listen, Bachelor Nation, quit motherfucking playing with me. Quit playing with me. This is the second time that y'all have gooped the children. You mean to tell me we could have watched Matt James' brother John Instead of his lame ass all this season, his brother that dressed like Nipsey Hussle with braids and a beard and gold teeth. See, rich, rich, rich with a mouthful of gold. Rich, rich, rich with a mouthful of gold. And he a rapper too. See, I had to hit that Gucci man on y'all. Don't don't judge me. What was funny as hell was that you can tell John was being produced. That man pulled Michelle aside and he wasn't paying attention to shit she was saying. That man was thinking about what he was going to eat for dinner. You know, them craft services on those production sets is bomb. Okay. It, it's ABC too. Oh, I know. I know he probably walked around. He probably walked past that lobster with some, uh, you know, with the good Cajun seasoning on a shell and then with that good butter, you know, and then he had that uh, butter on the side with the, the lemon pepper seasoning in there. See, y'all don't, y'all don't know how to eat. That's, that's all right though. I'm gonna, I'm going to teach y'all how to eat one day. I'm going to do a whole podcast one day on how to eat because y'all don't know how to eat. It's going to be called Too Skinny, How to Eat. I'm going to show y'all one day. I'm telling y'all, I'm going to show y'all how to eat. I'm going to go to every restaurant in Memphis and do a critique. That's what the hell we're going to do. I'm going to start off with McDonald's, (laughs) except I'm not going to eat that shit. Fuck McDonald's. Overall, Michelle made a great impression, whatever. He's not going to pick her ass no way. They liked Rachel too. You see how fast I'm going through this shit. They like Rachel too, though. So one thing we can really gather is that his family is full of terrible judges of character. I'm just saying. I mean, damn, y'all can't even uh, decipher a racist from a normie. <laughs> oh, not a normie. Where did I pull that from? <laughs> Somebody that's not racist. We just go. We we gonna call us normies now, okay? Because y'all getting a little too comfortable with racism. I'm just saying. Let me tell y'all something. This episode came out like this week and it already didn't age well. After his mama shook his ass up and told him, don't fall in love or whatever she said, child, y'all know I'd be making shit up. (laughs) I'd be half-ass paying attention to The Bachelor nowadays. He says he needs to talk to somebody who has been through it all before. That man opened the door, and I'm, I'm thinking we about to get in for a big surprise. I'm thinking it's Rachel Lindsay or uh, one of them other tired-ass bachelors that done this before. He opened the door, and it's damn Chris Harrison waiting for his ass to talk to him. But see, that's why you picked Rachel ass, because his ass the one that was t- in your ear telling you to do the shit. See, I, y'all irritating. Matt tells him all of his concerns, and Chris comes to the same conclusion I was coming to. Uh, so you, you acting like you don't want none of these women now. 
See, let me find out y'all reshot this ending. It feels real reshootish. Reshootish with y'all funky asses. He says he wants to let the week play out. Boy, get the hell off my team. I'm so glad y'all finale this week. I don't know what to do. For some reason, they're still going on dates. Him and Michelle go building, scaling, maybe. I don't I don't know. Where they be where they start at the top of the building and slowly work their way down. I don't I don't do that kind of shit. Uh, listen, that, <laughs> that's some shit you do in high school at Bridge Builders. Do y'all know what Bridge Builders is? We used to have a Bridge Builders program. I never got in, or they wouldn't let my ass in Bridge Builders, but that's okay. That's a story for another. If you don't know what Bridge Builders is, Google it, because you probably want shit like me in high school either. <laughs> that lady gave him gifts that night. Michelle gave him a jersey with a number one on it that said Mr. James. And then she pulled out a matching jersey that said Miss James. And it had the number two on it. And she's smiling and laughing and sniggling and she and she giggling. And that man was ready to break the fuck up with her the whole time. Ain't that some shit? He ends up telling her that he doesn't think he can get there with her funky ugly ass you know what matt james has had me cursing more than any other reality show on tv funky ass see that's what i hate about the bachelor boy you knew you didn't want her or any other minority that came through that damn door on the first night if you ooh, i'm I have to try to catch myself sometimes. <laughs> I'm just saying, if, if you wanted a white woman, just say that. Why are you wasting these people time? Ain't nothing wrong with wanting a white woman. But quit playing in these black women, these Asian women, these Latina women. Quit playing in their faces because that's all you was doing. You knew damn well you weren't going to pick. And then you tried to, tried to uh, trick people by having uh, three minority women in the top four and then Rachel asked, boy, we, we, you ruined it then. We knew who the hell you was going to pick. You know what? Where is John James at? Where, where Matt brother with the Nipsey hustle, uh, t-shirt and the braids and the gold teeth, rich, rich, rich with a mouthful of gold. Where he at? Cause we stick a Matt. We Matt. Don't you come back no more. Matt and John chat. His mama did that shit. You know what? After Matt has this bullshit ass conversation where ABC tries to, you know, give him the victim edit as if he didn't spend the last few months stringing all these women along, knowing damn hell who he wanted to pick. We see racist Rachel with the extra letter in her name. Chris Harrison tells her that there will be no date today because Matt needs some time and some space to think or something. Child, shit, I don't damn know. Somehow, though, he ends up spending the, the whole day with uh neil lane you know ring shot you know neil lane they're about to mess up his bag that man showed up anyway they said well he's not ready to propose neil said no you go propose to motherfucking day i don't know what the fuck you think this is <laughs> listen don't be confused okay long story short he picked the trick okay <laughs> that's all i got for you that he picked the lady uh, i'm not gonna romanticize it because i don't find them romantic how about that he didn't propose but he gave her the final role so i guess that's in her mind, good enough. Let's move on to this tired ass after the roll special or whatever it's called. Child, ABC took a lot of time out of my week. That that's three whole damn hours. Emmanuel H O uh hosted this little spec uh, this special, and he looked the fuck good. Okay, he should have been the damn bachelor here. Child, listen, I didn't cast it everybody. And they mama in that role except Matt James. Like there's some shit Matt James turtleneck wearing ass. Speaking of casting The Bachelor, 
Let's see what my good friend Kaya from the Bravo Wild Black podcast has to say about this season and her predictions about Bachelor in Paradise and the next Bachelor. Hey, it's Kaya or Kaya from Bravo Wild Black, whatever you want to call me, I'll answer. Um, I know that we're all over the Bachelor and the Bachelorette and the whole Bachelor franchise, but I would still like to see Mike Johnson as the leading man and as bad as Matt's season was, it had to happen so we can get down to the root of things and make a change. With that being said, in addition to Mike Johnson being the next Bachelor, I would like to see Matt on Bachelor in Paradise. I feel like he would do way better on Bachelor in Paradise than he would being The Bachelor. Just no sweaters and TikTok dances. Thank you. Child, I'm all for uh, Matt coming on Bachelor in Paradise. He can bore the hell out of me on there too, and we can figure out <laughs> we can figure out who the hell he really want to be with, and we gonna see if he want to be uh with another Rachel or he gonna try to switch it up. Let's see how the hell that work out. Maybe he's so damn scarred that he the <laughs> you know what? Let me stop. They start this little uh rose ceremony. What is it after the rose or whatever? They started off with Michelle. And they got her doing the devil's work by defending Rachel, saying, I I just know she has a good heart, but she has a lot of learning to do. Girl, damn you. <laughs> One thing interesting is that she was, what is, she asked, could she have uh, two minutes alone to kind of say her piece with Matt? She was giving us a little behind the scenes tea. She said that she asked for these two minutes to kind of say her piece to Matt. And she was told that, that man refused to even see her punky, punkity, punk, punkity, punk. I hate that man. I, I just hate it. He comes out and she gives her spiel and he, you know, he apologizes, I guess. I guess if that's what you want to call it, that's what that's what happens. I like the conversation between Matt and Emmanuel uh, trying. I don't know what they were trying to do. I don't even know if I really like this conversation, to be honest. It was a little tired. They, I don't know if I needed them to, well, Emmanuel, you can definitely have this conversation. Matt, you doing a little damage control and I'm, I'm not with it. They talked about kind of, uh, being two black men in America and him being the first black bachelor. See, now he want to claim the, the black bachelor title instead of, uh, biracial, like you've been calling yourself all season. We'll get over that though. He talked about the pressure he felt to be on his best behavior, as he said, now, we all know what he's talking about. He said not only did he have pressure to be like the perfect black person and the most non-threatening of black people, he was also the man who was picked to be a bachelor during a time when our country was experiencing a lot of civil unrest and it was at its like highest form of uh, possible civil warness that we've come to in a while. He was the first black bachelor, you know, it's important to say, he was the first black or first bachelor ever, actually, since George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and countless others from last year. So I guess he felt like that put even more pressure on him, not just being the first black uh, bachelor, but being the first one since all of this had happened. So he wasn't sure which side of his blackness he should show on TV. Now, see, he didn't really say all that. I had to fill in the gaps for his uh the, the wobble head ass. I don't know shit. <laughs> then Emmanuel asked how shit has been after he picked Rachel. 
he says that everything was glitter and sparkles and sprinkles, you know, and, and, and confetti and all of this at first. But then he was made aware of them pictures and the parties and the associates. You know, he, he, he took the long route to say that they're not together anymore. He says she's doing the work to grow and change, I guess, and that he's given her the space to do that. Then he brings out Rachel just by herself at first before <laughs> before he was going to grill her ass about them pictures. That man threw them pictures up on their screen and asked her everything from why did it take you so long to uh, apologize to what are you doing to learn and grow to uh, who can we blame for your upbringing? <laughs> now, he didn't ask it like that necessarily, but I can read between the lines. I, I've told y'all this many times. I read between the lines, okay? Then they discuss the breakup, which Matt had just talked about, and how confused she was when he called her to break up with her. Child, confused about what? That man couldn't be out here black with a whole racist wife. <laughs> the fuck <laughs> Matt comes out and then she apologizes yet again listen let me just stop because how the fuck am I supposed to, I didn't know how I was supposed to feel watching this as a black man no, honestly like I need somebody to tell me how I was supposed to feel watching this this whole scene transpire like I'm watching a black man fight back tears over breaking up after he found out his damn near fiance was partying on plantations and cracking whips because the cotton wasn't being picked fast enough and hoping that they return to a tomorrow uh, of the year 1851. How the fuck am I supposed to feel watching that? Like literally, I need somebody to tell me how am I supposed to feel watching that shit? Cause I don't think I felt the way that ABC wanted me to feel the gag was when she poured her heart out and Emmanuel asked Matt if the door was even remotely open for a reconciliation, a reconciliation. Child, so damn country. Now that lady got her damn feelings hurt all over again. <laughs> that man said, nope. Well, not nope, but, you know, he long-winded as fuck, so I'm trying to summarize for y'all so we can get the hell on with this uh this damn season and we ain't got to never talk about Matt James and uh, Claritha and uh, Ernestine ever again. We finally get the Bachelorette announcement and if you've been, you know, on social media, you probably already knew this. But he said the pool of women for Matt was so big that it was hard to pick between two specific women. Child, all them uh, uh, non-racist lawyers and pharmacists and uh, uh, farm techs and attorneys, you know, all the doctors, all kind of shit. And you pick Rachel. Child, anyway, they are both going to be the bachelorette. Katie is going to be the first one. And then I think we're going to get Bachelor in Paradise. And then we get Michelle season. Ew. See, I prefer The Bachelorette anyway. Not only do I just feel like it's a better show, we get men. Okay, let's move on to the next show. A show that actually, just like The Bachelor, finale this week. And that's going to be The Bell Collective, okay? But see, we actually get a reunion with Bell Collective, so it's not over, over. But the season's over. So let's go ahead and get into my girls with the Bell Collective. Child. They pick up from the last episode. Marie shows up with this man <laughs> looking, uh, everybody talking about who is Cedric and the child. Listen, 
did this a mess. She already talking about who is Cedric and them people like your damn husband. <laughs> Look at that damn wedding uh certificate and refresh your memory. You know who the hell Cedric is. Then she said that man that she showed up with played in the NBA for 16 years. Uh, I would have been in there like Cedric who? <laughs> same. I, I feel you, Marie. I would have been the same damn way. My, my amnesia would have been acting up too. Now, he had a big-ass shirt on and was looking a little thrifty in my Jocelyn Hernandez voice. So he might have played for, like, the Brooklyn Globetrotters, not the Harlem Globetrotters because they're a little more upscale, but he definitely could have played for the Brooklyn Globetrotters. I don't know what team that man actually played for, but we just go say the Brooklyn Globetrotters for now because the, the way he was dressed and looking, that 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 tracks a little bit. <laughs> Glenn gooped the children at this damn black love dinner and told them folks about the contract and said that Letitia offered him 51% of all her businesses. That man said, I need 100%. <laughs> he said, I need 100%. And then everybody got quiet looking like 100%. What the fuck did you? And then the drum roll, you know, of your heart. Oh, how sweet. Boy, quit motherfucking playing with me. Everybody in here was about to whoop your ass. Uh, they were about to whoop you up out them damn uh, Jordash jeans you had. Oh, not the Jordash jeans. But then he hit him with that uh, that Colin Kaepernick knee. You know, you, you hit him with that cap knee, and then he reproposed to her all over again. Come on, black love. You know, we love a little piece of black love on black shows. Okay, come on, black love. I love that this show paints black women in such a good light, especially concerning business acumen. Latrice's chat these names. E is it essential essential some sexual seduction <laughs> beauty launch party. Latrice really is an inspiration to people everywhere. She was the first in her family to graduate college. She started a business selling trunk out of the trunk well no Selling her, <laughs> selling roots out of the trunk of car. <laughs> she had a new line of products that's going to be in uh, uh, global stores. I mean, it's, it's just like crazy. She's so, like, she's living her dream in regards to everything she's wanted to accomplish in business. Then we switch to Marie and Essie. Essie, we all got pain. And they're doing a damn ribbon cutting for yet another mental health and addiction facility. Like, wow. I mean, it's it's inspiring to watch. Somebody watching their mom deal with addiction and deciding to do something with their life to make sure that no one else has to go through that. Come on, Rhea and Essie. That's what I'm talking about. Look, Essie, ain't nobody got pain. You see, I held it a little bit. That was that... uh. A uh, layoff effort, y'all. <laughs> Let me stop. Uh, uh, the ghost of uh, Jennifer. What's the other Jennifer name? The ghost of uh, the original Jennifer goes sue the hell out of my ass. Let me stop. The lady ain't even dead. <laughs> Marie talks to them about dropping Cedric ass at this ribbon cutting and getting with that tall ass tree to climb that she showed up with. Now wait a minute. Why did it just hit me? Hold on. I've been trying to realize why this man looked so familiar to me. He just felt he had a familiar presence. He reminds me of Bob Whitfield's sweating ass, except a little less sweaty and slightly better looking. Maybe I don't know. Let me, let me move on. Cause that's that just kind of, that, that shook me to my core a little bit. Let's, 
let's move on my fiber, <laughs> my well-being. It, it, it just shook me. I don't, I don't like that. But Marie, as long as that man, uh, actually show up at the house, unlike your husband, you got a winner. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for y'all, I guess, with his globe trotting ass. Tambra invites that man to the woods to ambush him. Now, see, didn't I tell y'all in a different episode to not be going to the forest with people? I feel like Matt James tried to set one of them black women up by taking her to the forest. I've told y'all about going to the forest with people. I told y'all it never ends well. He tells her that he hasn't had kids because he's been waiting on her. And, it, you know, it, it, it's a line. You know, it's a line. But it's cute, I guess. But, see, he told the wrong person that shit. She said, well, she you ain't said nothing but a word, baby. Tambra goes in that purse, that big-ass Michael Kors purse. Probably, she, I'm assuming she looked like a, you know, a Michael Kors kind of chick, you know. She went in that purse pulled out that cup from the clinic and asked that man to ejaculate in it. I look, I sound like Hannah now talking about some damn ejaculation. Both of them got tickled as hell. And this man actually agreed to go fertilize her lawn. Now see, you got a good one. Cause most men would have uh, jumped on a motorcycle and drove off fast. Like Tom Cruise ass being them damn movies. I, you got a good one. You better hang on to him, Tambra. Cause I don't know many others that'll, that'll do that shit. I hate the obstacles that Letitia is going through trying to buy back the block. Now, see, I told you on an episode to call Rick Ross. That man got a whole song about buying back the block with two chains. Why? You should have called him. She having a hard time getting calls back and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, Marie gives her a little bit of inspiration. Marie tells her, if it's meant to be for you, it'll be for you. It'll all circle back and God will bring it. You know, he'll bring it for you if it's meant for you. I know that's right, Marie. You better tell her, Marie. She also told her that, uh, you know, even though she had her heart set on Ferris Street, that might not be what God wants for her. And he might want her to, you know, rebuild and repurpose another area. You know, it, it, Ferris Street might not be for her, but that doesn't mean that this road or path isn't see i like that i like women supporting women you know we don't see it on the real housewives in new york so i love seeing women supporting women come on marie marie we got pain it don't work with marie now you gotta be essie essie we are there we go yeah marie we'll just just know i'm proud of you marie that's that's all i can give you okay we get another inspirational moment seeing Antoinette Sippency. She's opening up to dream dental practice. You know, something that black people aren't really doing in that area. Come on, Tony. You know, Antoinette, you, you know, you can't wait to call her Antoinette Tony. Come on, Tony. That black man that she went on that date with. I don't know why I keep saying that man black. He is, though. But I'm just saying, you know, I want y'all to you know her husband was white. So I just feel like for some reason I got to differentiate. It wasn't her husband. It was that black man that she went on that date with. Y'all know who I'm talking about. The one that she met in Ghana. She met him over there in Ghana. You know, the man, he showed up with flowers and them pretty ass teeth and that nice face. Come on, Tony. Tony don't care no more. He don't want me there no more. Y'all don't know about that Solange. All the women are celebrating Antoinette and enjoying the moment. And then Marie shows her ass up. Marie lets Letitia know that she can still be ignorant if she needs to be. I know that's right, Marie. Don't let all them uh, damn degrees fool y'all. I'm just as ignorant as they come. Do you hear me? Now, look. I had to I had to get a little ignorant in some of them classes to get these damn degrees, but I got them, okay? Don't play with me. 
Tony pulls Latrice and Kaylin, child, I had forgot all about Kaylin ass, aside because they both had beef with Marie. She invited everybody kind of as an olive branch. You know, Latrice is like, I don't know about all that. Uh, I'm going to flip my hair on her. Latrice hair be looking good, though. A lot of these, listen, Latrice, get with Drew Sedora. Her hair's starting to look real good on Instagram, but it still be kind of bothering me on the show. Latrice, get with her. You can really do some things for her. I want to see Drew Sedora wearing something from the uh, the the Esexual Seduction Beauty Collection or whatever that shit called. Y'all can really do some things for her. After the event, Marie is leaving and Latrice pulls her aside. She grabbed the lady by the hand. Now, all right, sis, you starting off wrong, but, you know, you at least gave her an apology. You know, we don't do that touching shit. <laughs> Marie then apologizes. Kinda. <laughs> Kinda. She mostly tells Latrice that she used to react just like Latrice in her younger years. And it should be a learning lesson for her and... Latrice, not just her and Latrice, you know, I guess Marie, that's the way my ass apologized to her. I'd be like, yeah, you know, you was real wrong, but I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna forgive you this time. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not gonna uh, fuck with you no more. Cause you was real wrong. I know that's right, Marie. I'm the same as you. We got a little, a little preview of the reunion. It looks like it's going to be good as hell. I don't know if it's one part or two parts. I'm assuming one part, but if it's one part, it's going to be jam-packed because it looked like they had a lot to talk about, hosted by our girl Egypt, too. So that should be good. But now that I've I've given y'all this all season, I've talked about Bell Collective the entire run. I think it was nine episodes total. I talked about it even when it hadn't premiered yet on that, that sneak peek, under the sneak peek that was on YouTube that got almost a million views that week. I want to, you know, I've, I've, I've told y'all who my favorites are. I love the entire cast, though, really. But I want to let my boy Aaron from Bravo Wild Black tell you who was his MVP of the Bell Collective, okay? Give it to him, Aaron. Hello, this is Aaron from the Bravo Wild Black podcast. I love to talk about the newest episode of Bell Collective. Um, and I also like to give out my MVP for Bell Collective. And, you know, at first... I wasn't too thrilled about Marie, but, you know, I stand her now. And this is why. The scene where she shows off her man to the ladies and she announces her split with her husband at the same time, iconic. I've never seen a moment like it, and it should be appreciated. Let's go ahead and talk about my girls down in Atlanta, the little women, Abira, Money, Miss Juicy, R.I.P. Minnie, uh, 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 the tiny twins, the drumming twins. <laughs> no, no, they ain't on no more, but y'all know who I'm talking about. Let's go ahead and talk about them before we jump over to Bravo. Abira and Monty talk, and Abira talks about, you know, having the kids and not getting a break. So she basically wants to rent a boat for everybody just to kind of, you know, be safe about quarantining and stuff, but still get out away from all their badass kids. This is hilarious because they flash back to a moment in history when the Drummond Twins were on Little Women Atlanta. 
Child, do y'all remember when they almost pushed Monty off that boat after they talked about her badass credit and uh, uh, her past and her, her cars getting repossessed and all kind of shit? Now, if you don't remember the Drummond twins, then you've definitely seen the memes on social media. They're the two little twins that walk into the, the kid's birthday party. You know, they walk in, they say, hey, and that music hits. It's like a Jill Zarin moment for all you people that watch The Real Housewives in New York. Them twins walk in, everybody looking like, I know these bitches. <laughs> Y'all know who the drumming twins are, okay? That that was a moment in reality TV history. I wish they would bring them back. I don't know where the hell they at, but they, they made some good TV. Do you hear me? The main part of the episode, obviously, or the main theme, I guess, is meeting the newbie Tamara. We meet her initially in Juicy's like temporary office space that she was complaining about on, on the last episode or two episodes ago. Apparently, they met on a commercial set years ago, but now she's recently moved to Atlanta. Juicy thought that lady was calling to borrow some damn money for her, so she had been ducking and dodging the hell out that lady. Turns out, she wanted to let the Queen of Atlanta know that she was here. The Queen of Atlanta, Miss Juicy, baby. Child, she wanted to do everything. Tamara started telling us about everything she wanted to accomplish. She wants to do everything. She want to start a business. She uh got skincare products. She want to be a comedian. She want to be a Beyonce backup dancer. She want to be the person that adjusts Sierra and Janet Jackson audio to turn it the fuck up when they doing that little, that whispering shit they be doing on the microphone. She want to do everything and she wants Juicy to be her mentor. Later on, when Juicy and Monty meet up, to, uh, you know, just talk and, uh, and eat healthy. That shit they was eating looked nasty as hell. To talk and, you know, eat healthy. Monty tells her about the boat that Abira wants to rent. And Juicy tells her that she wants to invite Tamara. Monty is like, bitch, too soon. Too soon, bitch. Juicy had a whole speech plan for her ass. And she made Monty feel guilty as fuck. So now Monty know this lady gonna get brought up on this uh boat to get beat the fuck up on, but nobody else knows. They got on that boat later, and Juicy dropped the bomb that she had a friend coming, and she was on the way. Chad, Abira was not having that shit. She wanted to fight Charlene as You know, anytime they mad at Juicy, she ain't Juicy. That's Charlene. Tamara show up, and she gets a whole cold shoulder from everybody. She told the captain to go ahead and take off. Once they were out there at water, Abira apologizes for showing up drunk to the self-defense class, and she had gifts for everybody. She had basically made like these kind of like self-defense bags, and they had everything from like mace to sticks to like uh, uh what's that shit called? Like the, like some kind of like stabbing stick. That she made, I don't, I don't know if that's a real thing, but she made them, I and mean, I, they, the kids helped out. I don't know if that was a, a safe arts and crafts product, but I'm here for it. Everybody needs to know how to defend themselves, anyway. So I'm here for it. all the kind of goodies that you know a true crime connoisseur like myself would really appreciate. So, Abira, if you want to, uh, if you listen to this podcast and you want me to be an ambassador for your uh, true crime bags, just send me one, okay? She had one for everybody except Tamara, obviously, because. She didn't know that she was coming on the boat. They continue to haze Tamara, basically. I mean, it's hazing the entire time like she's joined a sorority. See, 
this shows y'all a lot about human nature because Abira has been on this show for years now and that lady just started getting along with these people two weeks ago <laughs> and now she got the nerve to be hazing somebody and ignoring this damn girl. You got me out here living with Abira? Abira? <laughs> Abira ass wouldn't even talk to the damn lady when she was trying to bond with her. Now, Tamara, I want to defend you, but your ass do talk a lot. Damn, you 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 was filling up a lot of that uh that uh what's it called that blank space that was in the air. You you was talking a whole lot, okay? Shit, folks work all day. The last thing they want to do when they get off work is keep talking to y'all ass. And she just let's okay let's let's play the quiet game or the silent game, whatever it is that parents play with their children. Let's just play that for you know just a minute. I do like that next scene that, you know, Abira pulling Juicy aside by inviting her out, shading her, and then accepting everything that she was trying to say. <laughs> that was my favorite line of the episode. So how you feel about that stunt you pulled on the boat? <laughs> but it was during that scene that Abira realized she needed to give Tamara a chance. And that led to the next scene. Later on, Abira with her wedding wave at Kim K hair, <laughs> you know, they, 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 Abira been switching up that hair. She ain't playing with y'all no more. She actually invites Tamara to lunch because she realizes how she's been treating her basically. And she wants to extend an olive branch. See, I guess this is the week of the olive branch. Uh, uh, who was the first one extended? I forgot who there. We can talk about already. Uh, uh, well, no, not yet. We'll talk about New Jersey, New Jersey. Teresa tried to extend an olive branch. They told her to stick it up her ass child. Y'all ain't gotta y'all ain't gotta talk to that lady like that, okay? <laughs> but Abira invites Tamara out to kind of extend an olive branch. Abira told that girl, I forgot you was on the boat. You know what? <laughs> then she tried to clean it up and said, No, no, no. I mean, you know, you jailed with us just so good, girl. There you go, Abira. Clean that shit up. I ain't mad at you. Clean that shit the fuck up. After all this, and after finally, you know, people are kind of starting to come around to Tamara because, you know, the tiny twins never really had a problem with her. They just didn't want it to appear that they were replacing many because, you know, they loved them so many. They all end up going to a rage room. This is something I've always wanted to do. I'm the personality type that, like, I'll let a lot of bullshit slide until it can't be slidden, until it can't be slidded. Until it can't be slizzy, I don't know. Until you fuck with me one too many times. That's what I'm trying to say. I feel like we'd have world peace if the government and like health insurance companies, you know, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Cigna, all them people, if y'all pay for one rage room per week for people, that's all you have to do. The world would be a much better place. People would get their rage out and they wouldn't be out here shooting and stabbing the shit out of people. Anyway... After they get done fucking up some shit <laughs> and money start, you know, she doing all that and she's staring at Tamara the entire time she was fucking shit up. Tamara decides to address it. She's like, okay, now look, money, you've been real cold with me and you know, you, you staring at me while you're breaking the stuff. You look like you got issues with me. Do we got Anna? Do we got beef? What's going on? She brought that up with money and all hell broke loose. They argue about the size of Tamara's eyes. They argue about goggles being see-through. They argue about the melon on the floor. And no, it's not the same melon that was uh, in that video with Bolo. Y'all so nasty. <laughs> Y'all nasty. That was not that same watermelon or plum or whatever the hell that was that Bolo was uh, 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 sticking it in, sticking it out of her. 
Child, Monty ended up getting the fuck up and she smashed some shit on the way out and she left the hell out that rage room. And I guess we got to wait till next week to see how the hell that resolves itself. It looks like they're going to have a conversation next week and I'm ready to see what they time about. What they time about because, child, Monty was over that shit. Let's go ahead and get into the real Housewives of Dallas over on Bravo, Bravo, oh, over on Bravo, Bravo, over on Bravo. We're going to keep the channel on Bravo for the rest of this episode. I've, I've taken y'all to, to own and to Lifetime and to ABC. You know, I take y'all, you know, on a lot of places so we can finally, we can finally go on over to Bravo. Let's get it with the real Housewives of Dallas. We pick up from last week. And Deidre's, dude, not Deidre, Chad, look, I'm talking about my uh, my friends I know from high school, not Deidre, Chad, Deandra. We pick up from last week and Deandra's hairdresser style, you know, slash spiritual advisor slash club promoter. He's leading the group in all these spiritual exercises or whatever we want to call them. They doing all these like vocal noises. They're oohing and they're aahing and they're humming and they sipping on some scissors, sipping on some sipping. Look, I'll be honest. I watched way too many cult documentaries and series to find any of the stuff that they were doing relaxing. I'm not, I'm just going to, I'm not, you know, I, I feel bad saying that, but I feel like they haven't put like a religion or a spirituality on this. And they still talking about that man bad. So I don't feel too bad, but the moment he put a religion or something to it, I'm gonna stop talking about that man. Cause I feel bad. Deandra's uh hairdresser slash club promoter slash spiritual advisor actually seems like a pretty nice person. They split in the pairs and they they take center circle, you know, as the pairs one by one. Deandra and Carrie go first and they talk about all their kind of unresolved issues like Carrie being a petty ass trick and Deandra being in their room talking bad about Carrie ass. <laughs> you know, all of that's understandable. You know, I talk bad about her ass too. Shit. Then Brandy and Tiffany, it's their turn to go after D and Carrie work out their shit. And Brandy admits that she's put a lot of her own insecurities onto Tiffany and that she's apologetic about it, child, I guess. Uh, a little too late, but you know Tiffany. Tiffany accepted the apology and says, don't worry, bitch. I'm going to check your ass if you get too loud. I know that's right, Tiffany. Let's fast forward to the next day because they didn't really do much at this spiritual gathering. So Tiffany is going to have a conversation with her boss, because she wants to take time off or like either take like a reduced schedule to her surprise. Her boss actually agrees to it. You know, she, she had to get her husband to hype up first for going to have a conversation, but you know, he actually agreed to it. She's going down to 80%. Now she's concerned that, you know, about having that conversation with her mom, you know, that's a whole nother thing because y'all know she told us her mom is overbearing AF. Okay. You know, I like to give y'all a little peek into my life every now and then. I got to give y'all a little peek every now and then since y'all nosy as hell. <laughs> I'm actually considering doing the same thing at work. And it's not just because I saw this episode and thought, ooh, I want to work less. No, this has actually been something that I've been thinking about for about half a year now. Once, ooh, once I make a few changes... I'm thinking about going down to a four-day work week. 
my job is so overwhelming right now and has been for a full year. I've, you know, I've told y'all that my industry has been absolutely obliterated this past year. So luckily I wasn't furloughed and I was never eliminated. I was actually given a lot of other people's responsibilities, including my manager, who's been dealing with a whole lot of health issues this past year. So once my company said, you know, they actually, my company is known for being like one of the best. I, I don't want to say who I work for, but they're known for being one of the best companies as far as like benefits go. And so even though we're, you know, financially, we're okay. You know, we're making it and they're, they're bringing people back. So obviously we're making money and all that kind of stuff. But now, oh gosh, it's, they always try to, you know, find ways that aren't monetary <laughs> shade. They always try to find non-monetary ways to give us benefits that will make us still love working there. If that makes sense. So once my company, like once they said they would let people either go to a four day work week where you just don't get paid for that fifth day, or you can either take a 30 day a 60 day or a 90 day sabbatical without pay. Y'all, I'm considering all of those options. I promise you, especially if I start this Patreon and I can actually like start to monetize a lot of stuff that I'm doing outside of my job. If I can actually like, you know, start making enough money to where I can supplement that fifth day and actually be doing something I love. I'm definitely thinking about doing it. I'm just saying anyway, that those will all be about Tiffany, but I made it about myself. I centered myself in Tiffany working less, but you know what? I'm okay with it. It's my damn podcast. I'll do what the hell I want. It's my birthday and I cry if I want to motherfuckers. Let's jump to Tiffany's birthday party that carried through for her. Okay. How do we feel about a party being Arabian Nights themed? Like, honestly, because it's so funny that I hadn't seen this episode. But within the past week, I've had this conversation with someone, which is so weird. I don't know what brought it about, but we talked about, you know, I don't know what this party was supposed to be Moroccan themed or Arabian Nights themed, which I guess is a movie. So they could get away with saying, no, it's, it's based off the movie. I don't know. I just don't know. I, you know, I'll let y'all get their asses on social media. I haven't really seen people talking about it though. So I guess it's not an issue, but I don't know that it's something I thought would be made. You know, I thought it'd be a learning lesson for everyone. So I'm hoping someone actually discusses whether or not they're deeming this culturally insensitive or if it's fine because they can technically say they did it off a movie. I don't know. That's one thing where, you know, if, if, I don't even know how to equate that to being black, but it's one thing I would, oh God, I don't know. I I just, when I saw it, I was wondering, it made me kind of scratch my head like, hmm, how do we feel about that? I, I don't want, I don't know. And so I was just wondering, I haven't seen anybody, you know, up in arms about it or anybody talking about it or any, even anybody just saying like, you know, let's stop that because that's kind of culturally insensitive. I don't know. So I won't make a big deal out of it. I'm going to let y'all, I want to throw it out there to kind of spark some conversation. So if y'all want to slide in the DM, slide in the emails, I'm glad y'all are emailing me too. I actually kind of love that because I'm the kind of person I have my email open at work so I can actually uh, stop doing my job and respond to y'all. <laughs> Shh, don't tell nobody. Anyway, the actual party that they throw for Tiffany is beautiful. It's, it's very well put together. Maybe potentially culturally insensitive. I don't know. We 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 still got to decide that, I guess. But uh, even Mama D showed up to surprise her. 
they it looked like they had such a good time. They talked about all the weird things that Tiffany has pulled out of people's asses, like dildos and remote controls. So they're actually asking Tiffany about her day to day, which I love. Get to know Tiffany. She seems cool as hell. I like her. She my favorite on the show. My child, I guess that ain't hard since all of y'all so goddamn unlikable. Shit, uh, the, the the day that Deandra is one of the most likable people in Dallas, that's a cold day right there. But you know what? I'm loving Deandra and uh, Jeremy uh, titty grabbing ass. So <laughs> I like both of them. Okay, let me tell y'all something. Mama D is iconic. She told them folks that she wanted to be rich as a child, so she told them the story of her basically going to stalk her rich ass ex-husband and make him propose to her. That's iconic. I live. She saw that man in the damn newspaper. She was like, you know what? I'm a marry that man. I know he rich. He got a little money. I'm a marry him. And you know what she did? She married his ass. I know the fuck. That's right. Mama D. You better teach a class. Teach the, see all these little Instagram girls think they the baddest. Cause you know, they, they, they get on there, they show their body and then the men want them. But then they, you know, then they all on social media, uh, saying how he cheating on her and all like that. Look, y'all better learn from mama D mama D go teach y'all how to keep a man until he, you know what? I was about to take that too far. Let me stop. <laughs> Cause cam, you said enough on this episode. So I'm gonna leave mama D alone. You, you raggedy cam. Let me move. Let me move right on. Okay. Brandy and mama D versus Deandra. Brandy said, for some reason, brought up that damn meditation party. Somebody brought it up. I think Dee did because she said she was uncomfortable and she wouldn't come to it. Brandy said she thinks the meditation party was demonic because all meditation should be done through God and Jesus Christ and that's not how it was and yada, yada, yada. Brandy, one thing you never lack is audacity. You have that in spades. You you have it every single episode. I'm talking about audacity. You had just said last week that you couldn't be openly racist and it made you sad. But meditation is where you draw the line. Bye. 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 I'm sick of it. Sick of it. S-I-C-K-U-D. Sick of it. I'm, I'm sick of that shit. Deandra has something for her ass though, but she, she was ready to get in that ass, but Mama D broke it up. And brought it all right back to Tiffany. Go ahead, D. I know that's right. Child, then Deandra and D ended up going head to head. See, Jan Davis, you started that shit. I've been over here rooting for you, trying to get you on the damn show. You started all this shit. She asked Deandra, she said, well, if Mr. Simmons is your stepfather, why is that your last name? Deandra said, you did it. <laughs> she told her mama, she said, basically, mama, tell her why I did that. Mama D said, you did it because you uh knew that Simmons would benefit you way more than Callaway ever could. Oh, baby. They got their shit started after that. DeAndre said, no, I did it because he raised me. D said, I'm not about to laugh at your ass. <laughs> All hell ensues, but most importantly, Tiffany Moon was drunk as fuck, and I'm happy for her. Good job, Tiffany. I want you to be as drunk as you can, especially now that you're on this uh this 80% work schedule. See, I'd be drunk three days a week, and then I'd be doing my job the other four. That's what I'm talking about. De- uh, Tiffany, I'm trying to live through you. I don't know if they're going to let me, but I'm going to try, child. I'm just... Dallas, y'all be, y'all be a lot every single week. Every single week week 
I want to go ahead and jump into the Real Housewives of Atlanta for the sake of keeping this episode compact because it was a pretty dense episode with the, the little slumber party and the whole wedding. It was a whole damn wedding on this episode. I'm going to mainly focus on those two things. Now, we did get a cameo. I want to, you know, throw some of the other stuff out there. We did get a cameo from a uh, top model diva, Igbert, Eva Pigford, Marcel Sterling or whatever, you know, where she hangs out with the aunties and, Honestly, the conversation annoyed the hell out of me, so I, I wasn't even going to bring it up at all. But thank God for my girl, Taria Faison, from the What Else Is Going On podcast. She had a few thoughts about this scene. Oh, Taria. Hi, this is Taria from the What Else Is Going On podcast. And when Kenya and Cynthia and Candy and Eva the non-diva were at Cynthia's house for her bridal party... I was getting annoyed that Kenya kept bringing up what had happened. It was funny how Candy was saying, okay, they shouldn't be talking about it when she clearly talked about it with Don Juan. But the way Kenya continued to dig and go at it and then say she was doing it because if it was her, they would have a field day with it. So you're doing this on a hypothetical Thank God for Taria because I wasn't even going to talk about that raggedy shit, <laughs> that raggedy damn scene because it was annoying the hell out of me too. At some point during this episode, we also get a conversation between Dennis and Porsche. Ooh, I want some Denny's. Denny's sounds good as Finnuck, right? Nizow. I'm just saying the little grand slam with a, a couple of uh, sausage patties, extra syrup, get you uh, some eggs, scrambled hard. Okay, let me go on. Dennis and Portia, yeah, break the fuck up. I'm at this point, just break up. Portia deserves, you know, like a count like Luann had or like a prince from a foreign country. Then she can travel the world being a dignitary, uh, 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 speaking about the importance of uh, eating green beans and all that kind of shit. You know, this, this shit, the important shit that Michelle Obama was doing back then. You know, now I'm not putting Portia on the same level as Michelle Obama, but I'm just saying she could talk about eating some green beans. I'd eat the green beans if Portia told me to eat some goddamn green beans. I'm just saying. Let's go to the slumber party or the Paris Kiki or the Night in Nice, whatever it's called, that Shamia threw for Drew, Portia, Marlo, and Latoya, a.k.a. the Nieces. Before Toya got there, the others talk about It Wasn't Me Gate, where Kenya posted the It Wasn't Me on social media, and then Marlo unknowingly did the exact same on all her social media. All of this, of course, concerning, you know, who was slurping and burping all over Bolo and his thing. Somehow this led into a conversation about Portia uh, not regulating who Marlo can be friends with. They get into it a bit, but then LaToya actually enters the scene. Surprisingly, the energy between Drew and LaToya is actually great, which is very, very surprising. They're laughing and dancing on each other and everything. Even when they start playing that game, LaToya said that if she had to hook up with anybody, she'd hook up with Drew. I know that's right. Toy Toy. They start playing this game. It's like... Uh, what's the thing where you stack the blocks on top? Is that Jenga? They start playing Jenga, but it has like a question on every single block. You read it off. It's either like a dare or a truth or whatever it is. And so maybe it's called truth to dare Jenga. Shit, I don't know. Y'all look for it on Amazon and send me a box if y'all can. 
But this is what I love the most about Real Housewives of Atlanta. Them laughing always makes me laugh. Marlo running around, you know, uh, topless, the girls dancing, they dry humping, they just having fun. I've always thought that this was when Atlanta was their best, when they were just all having fun because they make you laugh more. Think of the Bolo episode, them slurping and burping all over Bolo, iconic. I live for it. The problem is this scene gives credence to something that one of my favorite podcasters, Monty, from Mixing Monty, uh, Mixing with Monty, actually said about there possibly being a shift coming to Atlanta. And I actually agree with her because this scene was leaps and bounds more captivating than that scene with the aunties. Now, I'm not go going to that too deep. I'm sure Monty is going to cover it on her podcast. So hop over there and check out her thoughts about this week's episode of Atlanta. But child, I, I don't know it. They just seem a lot more. Denise seem like they having a lot more fun than them aunties. So maybe there's a, a younger shift coming our way. I don't know. We time will tell. Things go left when Toya starts mentioning that Kenya said it was Portia and Tanya, and that she heard it all from the bedroom and yada yada yada. The ladies feel that Toya was trying to bring all this up and do some further investigating on Kenya's behalf. See. That's when shit really go left because, uh, listen, all the other women got involved after that. Drew mentioned LaToya bringing up at dinner that Drew was bumping and grinding on Bolo. Toya takes shots at Drew's marriage and baby Drew Sedora from the game came out and she fired right back at that ass. She was ready. Drew talked about that lady marriage. She talked about... Uh, her husband trying to counsel her. She talked about that lady's hairline. And then she said, Latoya forever. No, bitch. How about Latoya? Never, ever, ever, bitch. I'll do good. Listen, Portia and Shamia were trying their hardest not to laugh, but that damn Marlo in the background had me on the floor. I was in stitches. Marlo was living for every, see Marlo has grown. She knew not to laugh directly in their face, but she was tickled as hell from behind. She was like that. Look, Y'all giving me a good little kiki right now. Let me go and enjoy this little kiki. Then I'll come back over here and try to break y'all up if y'all get to swinging and fighting and spitting and cussing and fussing and all this kind of shit. Just give me a minute to get my little laugh out. Then here I come. They go back and forth again and again and again. And Shamia is like, damn, the aunties can be in the same room and they can have a good time together. Why can't we? <laughs> so things actually calm down. Okay, Shamia being a voice of reason. Okay. Latoya makes it clear that what she's doing is she's trying to say that she thinks that Kenya is the one that leaked the story. Well, girl, why you didn't just start off by saying that? <laughs> then she lays out the evidence. She talks about what Kenya said about B. Scott at the pumpkin patch. Remember, Kenya was like, oh, no, I don't talk to page six. But, you know, if he came from like a B. Scott or something, then it came from me. And, you know, we all know that B. Scott was the one that broke the story. She also talks about... uh what Kenya said to LaToya at the actual photo shoot, you know, when she confessed her love, supposedly. LaToya said that she's excusing a lot of this behavior, though, because Kenya is going through a lot. And then she proceeds to tell all that lady business. She said that she's going through a divorce and Mark wants alimony, bitch. He wants the alimony. That man said he wants 55000 a month. No, I'm just playing. I, child, I wish Kenya would pay that man that damn much money a month. Mark, I, you know what? 
let me stop because my crime junkie brain was about to kick in. I'm not going to say that. That'll get me sued and arrested. So let me, let me just keep going to my shock. The ladies actually don't indulge or kiki about this at all. Drew does the mature thing and she says, you know what? Watch what you say about your friend's business. Don't put it all out there. Even Portia says that, you know, you don't go around telling your best friend's business. Okay, y'all, come on, growth, because y'all, if y'all was on this show a few years ago, y'all would have been laughing and eating that shit up. You, Phaedra, uh, uh, Candy wouldn't have been, you know, Candy would have been minding her business, but Nene, all that, and that would, that would have been some messy shit, but let me find out y'all actually growing on this show, okay? All right, all right, let's skip to the wedding. Up first, let's talk about the fashions, okay? Who looked the best? Obviously, Portia. Portia was dressed at that wedding down. But you know who gets a close second? Shamia. Now, them some badass best friends right there. Shamia and Portia came to have a good time at that goddamn wedding, okay? They looked amazing. Cynthia, beautiful as ever, a beautiful bride. I like the, the white and gold look a little more than I like the, the all gold look, but she looked beautiful nonetheless. But Cynthia is a beautiful woman. She all That's to be expected, right? We always see Cynthia slaying on this show. All of the bridesmaids look beautiful. A little, a little. They, I'm sure they had to be a little basic because you know, you know, the, no bride wants the bridesmaids outshining them. So I get it. You know, we got cameos at the wedding from Giselle from Potomac. We saw Tamika Lee from Southern Charm, New Orleans. Bring back Nola. Bring back Nola. Bring back Nola. Check it. Bring back. Let me stop. Okay. We saw OG Sheree Whitfield. Sweating ass Bob was not with her. Don't worry. We saw Princess Love. We saw Claudia Jordan. She had a man. <laughs> we saw Karen Huger. Ray Huger was nowhere in sight, but they be talking about Jamal. I'm just saying. The wedding was beautiful, even though it was, you know, it was, it was super spreaderish. I don't know. Chad, but it's over now. Nobody caught COVID supposedly from the wedding. So, I guess we'll just we just overlook it, child. I don't know. The best part of the wedding was all the gossiping that went on, though. Somebody was hot mic'd and they was telling all of that bachelor bread party business. They was like, yeah, girl. They was slurping and burping all over Bolo. He turned them hoes out, I think somebody said. <laughs> Damn, I mean, we wasn't, We even uh, talking about it at the day of the wedding, really? Let the mouse go so that lady can have her happily ever after. You know Peter couldn't give it to her. Let Mike stand a chance. Damn. You know what? That was probably Teresa Giudice telling all them folk business, telling everybody but Mike Hill that Cynthia was knob gobbling at that damn beach house. Teresa, you need to take your ass back to New Jersey and stay out them people business. But actually, you know what? It was probably Giselle gossiping ass spreading all them damn people business. <laughs> Imagine if it was both of them. If Teresa and Giselle were both at the wedding on one porch stoop gossiping, that would be some unstoppable ass shade. Child, let's keep it in Atlanta for a little while and let's go on to Married to Medicine. We pick up from the fight at Damon's birthday party. Toya walks over there to them husbands, them people over there minding they damn business, and she come over there and she brings the bullshit, okay? Toya brings the bullshit, do you hear me? I love me some Petroya. You know you bad as hell when you uh you named after a liquor. They don't call her Toya no more. They call her Petroya. You know what? As a matter of fact, don't you, I don't want y'all calling me Ken or Kendrick no more. Just call me Kennesee. 
Call me Kennison from now on. I, I I like that. I think that that fits that fits my narrative that I'm trying to push a little bit. You know, I be I'm trying to get as drunk as Toya and uh as drunk as Jennifer Aiden the next time I go out. I'm almost vaccinated. I'm going out somewhere. Damn it, y'all can't stop me. I'm not gonna be a super spreader like Cynthia, but I'm going out and I'm gonna give me I'm a, I'm gonna give me a little piece of the action. Y'all ain't gonna be able to stop me. I'm tra- I'm I'm going with Petroya, Jennifer Sladen, and Kennedy. That's how it's gonna be. After Toya ass <laughs> finally exited stage left, you know, Big Jeannie had to drag her ass out there uh, with crab legs and toe. Simone and Jackie finally put their issues on the table. Jackie set Simone up for the kill. Jackie said, we've been through, you know, so much. Our fathers, you know, they, they, they both went through it at the same time. Everything. But bitch, you didn't have my back with Buffy. Now, see, listen, what y'all don't want to do is give Buffy ass any extra shine. Buffy Parcel or, 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 or Pertrell or Patron, whatever last name is, that lady is sitting at home living for this shit. Living. They get into it and Simone walks away. After wiping her tears, though, she ends up coming back and then she gets into it with Heavenly. And you know that's a battle right there. Simone versus Heavenly. Two loud ass people ready to fight. Now that's that's all you need in life right there. And you know listen, they was cussing and fussing all around that damn pool. Uh, the, the damn mermaids were concerned. They didn't know what to do. Heavenly said, I'm trying to be nice to your dusty ass. <laughs> Heavenly so goddamn funny. Needless to say, they didn't make it back that day. They left. And, you know, they, they still still unsolved, still unsolved mystery. Chat, let's skip forward and talk about funky Dineva ass coming to see Heavenly. Now, look, I'll be honest with y'all. I used to be the biggest funky Dineva fan in the world. But this past year, a lot of his stances on a lot of topics and shows and stuff, they've confused me. I don't want to use this platform to tear him down or anything like that, but it's just coming from someone who's like his biggest fan for like the literally the past decade. Like when I first graduated college, I would listen to Funky Dineva at work every single day. He was the funniest person in the world to me. I just don't know. I, I, I just don't feel right giving him my views anymore because I don't know. I felt it was so much problematic stuff. I felt but that's, you know, that's another topic for another day. I did, however, I like the scene between him and Heavenly because I know they're friends in real life. They do a lot of events together. They actually hang out together whenever he's in Atlanta or whenever she goes to Florida. I like them as friends. They seem to have, and it comes through on camera a lot. She was fixing that uh, mud mouth that he had. <laughs> he was missing that tooth round the side, you know. You had to you had to go up the block, hit the corner, and then round the side. He was missing that tooth, but she put it back in, and she didn't let him give him no uh no coronavirus. So I like that. I, I like them as friends. Now I still can't watch a you neither one of y'all YouTube channel because y'all shows out, but I I like y'all as friends. Keep supporting each other or whatever. I liked learning about Anila this episode. You know, Anila is the new cast member. She came in through Toya. That's her friend. She lives in her neighborhood. Her family is so cute, and I'm just always fascinated. You know, whenever they show the doctors on this show coming in and sterilizing, and you know they got to hold the kids back because daddy ain't sterilized yet. Let them go take a, a you know a good bath, one of them 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 good uh hot water baths with the the good soap, the artisanal soap, and then a little bit of that uh child, a little bit of antibacterial soap too. Get all that shit, rub, rub all that shit in there. 
Now, she used to be what she calls Devil Wears Prada. But then when she got married, she knew she'd have to give all that up. So then she became like an influencer, a fashion vlogger, like that kind of thing. They talk about choosing to build their house in 2020 and then 2020 happened. Like they literally were having this house built and then COVID and everything else in the world happened. She actually says this is how her and Toya met. Toya's contractor is the one that's building her home too. They seem, I like them. They seem to have like a, a pretty genuine friendship. I follow Toya online. Y'all know I look Toya, my favorite on this show now that, uh, they dusted Mariah's ass child. She got dusted like Thanos. So I'm hoping she come back like Monica Rambo in that episode. But yeah, just don't hold y'all damn breath. I don't child. Don't get me started. Y'all know that that's the that's the hardest loss I've had on Bravo. Losing my Mariah hook, but still I rise. They but they seem to be good friends. I I think they've been hanging out since like 2019. So they seem to really be, you know, good friends. And it kind of shines through on the show, too. So, I like seeing it. Anila, welcome to the crew. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it go. You know, we we flick motherfuckers off these shows if they don't do right. And, you know, our, our American Medicine cast does not change. So, bring it, Anila. Bring it on. Simone and Cecil throw Michael a graduation party. And they do it outside of her doctor's office with like this whole little setup, like RVs and all kinds of stuff, ice cream trucks, the whole nine yards. You know, I love Cecil and Simone's relationship and their family so much. They always make me laugh and smile no matter what. Simone said that man pulled up uh, next to her in college in a Hyundai. And had she known that that was him, she would have picked one of them nooks driving a Lexus. Look, she didn't have time for all that. I know that's right, Simone. I was in college riding around. You know what? <laughs> I almost told too much of my damn business. Let me stop. See, I just told y'all about my damn business at work. Let me stop telling y'all all my damn business. Just know it was a, a whole lot of... Uh, pollution being emitted into the atmosphere because of the cars that had me riding in chad i wish jackie would have been there because their friendship is real important to the show but i get it they still they still working through it speaking of jackie ass let me address this i didn't pay any attention to what jackie and curtis were talking about <laughs> during that scene because she came home and Curtis was cooking dinner in the air fryer. Shout out to all the air fryer connoisseurs out there. Shout out to uh, Kaya and Aaron from the Bravo Wild Black podcast, who you've heard in this episode so far, because air fryers are life, and we all know that. But Curtis, you should have sent that salmonella-ass chicken that you was cooking back through there for a few minutes. That chicken was pinker than L. Woods showing up to Harvard University to win her man back. Warner? Oh, Warner, you go here? Oh, my God, Warner. Oh, my God. You should have sent that damn pink-ass chicken back for at least uh five, six, seven more minutes because that shit was not done. And, Jackie, you a whole damn doctor eating that shit. Now you got coronavirus from that damn chicken, and now you, you can't go to work and help save lives, and the babies ain't stopped coming. And you know what? I'm just... I'm disappointed in you, Jackie. <laughs> in the last portion of the episode, we see Heavenly and Simone actually make up in the last scene. It was actually a mature conversation, and both of them were taking accountability for a lot of the stuff that they've done like over the past two or so years. But the thing that had me bothered the most, Heavenly, that wig you had on and that one oh that that wig you had on in that confessional it, 
it it looked drier than a glass of Pinot Noir. You it j- look just this just me and you talking, sis. Now don't 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 mind nobody else in the room. Just put you like a little jojoba oil around the roots, and you know put a little shea butter around the side, and you know you put some in it to just like hold. You know what they, the setting? Put some setting lotion up there and just let it sit for a while. That wig was it, it was a little dry. Put her on the dresser and let her air out and let her moisturize and stuff. Cause Hamlet, I don't want to catch you out here that damn dry no more. I'm we I'm not gonna do it to you. I love you too much to let you sit up here and uh had that crunchy ass itchy ass wig on <laughs> i'm just saying you know what let me go ahead and move to summer house and y'all know i'm not gonna talk about their asses too long let's go ahead and talk about summer house and kyle cooks worse some ass i still want a lover boy uh you know apprenticeship or a lover boy uh a uh, 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 sponsorship or something but i doubt i'm gonna get it after this episode that's okay the first four seasons of this show i didn't want to admit it but kyle was low-key my favorite Kyle, for some reason, everything you do annoys the fuck out of me this season. Why the fuck were you crying when Stravi left the house? Was that your man too? Like, what was I, I sometimes watching this show, I feel so out of touch because I don't know. I never understand why anybody on this show is crying. I really don't. Like, ever. If Kyle is crying, you know, if he finally ain't crying, Amanda's crying. If Amanda ain't crying, Hannah's crying. If Hannah's not crying, Carl's crying. It's too merch. I did like, though, you know, at the beginning of the episode, I like that Lindsay, even though she single-handedly destroyed that relationship, I'm not going to argue with y'all about that. She self-destroyed that relationship. She threw the grenade and was surprised that it blew up. I'm glad that she came out and was like, look, I only got a few hours left of my birthday. Let's turn the fuck up. And you know what they did? They turned the fuck up. Now, see, that's what friends do. I know that's right, Lindsay. The next day after this terrible ass birthday that <laughs> that Lindsay experienced, we find out, I'm just mentioning it because I think he plays a, a kind of a bigger role later in the season. We find out that Hannah has a guy named Dez. Now he's a comedian. You know, he slid into the DMs literally right before she came into the house. I think they hung out one time before that. I want to say they met through Countess Luann, maybe. I don't know. That's another story for another day. Shit, I don't know. But of course, you know, we all know that they're engaged in real life now. So go ahead, Hannah. Do your thing, Hannah. Now while you were uh sniffing around Luke's yard when you had a whole husband on reserve, I'll never know. But, you know, I try my hardest to, you know, I, I try to stay out of white people's business. It don't concern me. I try to stay out of it. I don't want to, you know, police what you're doing. It didn't make sense to me. But, but hey, what what can I say? The major conflict in this episode stems from a text that Hannah and Paige sent to the rest of the house. They retired from staying up so late the night before. So when Kyle and the others were like banging music outside, they asked them if they could turn it down a little bit. They didn't say turn it off. They said turn it down just a little bit because according to Paige, like literally the walls were shaking because the music was so loud. Amanda being, you know, mature, she goes over to actually try to turn the music down a little bit. But then Carl kind of runs, not Carl, Chad Carl ain't even on this damn episode. Kyle runs over there and he's like, you know, what are you doing? You know, to say, you know, it's like, what are you doing? I could see, I can come down on either side of this argument, but then Kyle in his fits of rage 
over having to turn the damn music down some because it was shaking the walls of the house. He says, some of us actually have to work hard during the week and want to enjoy our weekend. Am I interrupting your podcasting? Oh, bitch. Oh, bitch. Now you got me fucked up now, Kyle. You got me fucked up now. I ought to do like they did with the, uh, the Boston Tea Party. I ought to come up there and get that uh, weak-ass, Kool-Aid-ass lover boy tea and pour that shit all in the, the Boston child. Where did they pour the tea at? I don't know. They, they poured it out in the harbor. I remember that part. They, pour, they ought to pour that lover boy tea out in the harbor, but then see, I had to buy it first, so they kind of defeat the purpose. I don't know. Child, somebody send me some free hibiscus tea or whatever the hell cow and them uh, slanging up there so I can pour that shit out in the river. You're not going to talk about podcasting like I don't have a, a goddamn job during the day that's stressing me the hell out and trying to run this damn Instagram and then trying to do all these damn uh, the regular episodes and then trying to put out a, a bonus episode every weekend. Cow, fuck you. How about that? <laughs> Him, Lindsay, and Danielle, all of them all get drunk. And then they end up going in the kitchen. They talk about the entire Gen Z generation. Apparently, Gen Z is being represented by Sierra, Hannah, and Paige, representing the entire generation. I, and I don't know why, but I'll tell you why, actually, because they're adults living with people half their age. I keep saying this to y'all, and I stand by it. There's always going to be conflict in this house because there are two separate generations of people living under one roof. I'm just saying. They talk shit, and Hannah ends up walking upstairs to like get some water or something. Hell, I don't know what the hell she was doing up there. Probably eavesdropping in the first place. And they completely switch subjects. They talking about rowing machines, uh, kettlebell exercises, when they buying a weight bench, all kind of dumb shit. Hannah <laughs> goes and tells Paige, and Paige like already knew. She was like, oh, I, I figured so. It's so obvious that like Kyle was talking about her and uh, how Kyle never talks shit to her face and all this kind of stuff and how he only wants to beat around the bush when he does. This, of course, sets up the major blowout of the episode. Oh, boy. Later on the next day when they all finally wake up again. The next day, which I think is Saturday because I think they wanted to sleep on Friday. The next day, they're putting the party together and Kyle is up on like the second floor making a lot of passive aggressive comments from the top floor of the house. This actually leads Hannah and Amanda, though, to have a great moment because, you know, Hannah and Paige, of course, call him out for the bullshit that he's saying. But it leads to them having an open, honest conversation with Amanda that kind of compound on the conversation that Amanda and Hannah had earlier where they both apologized to each other. Hannah, you know, she talks about how she has a lot of anger towards Kyle and she tends to project that towards Amanda sometimes. See, it's, it's big of you to actually recognize that because, yeah, that's what the fuck you do, but... Child, I ain't mad at you. You know, I told y'all if I'm mad, I'm throwing Roku sticks, all kind of shit. Quit playing with me. Quit playing with me. Quit playing with me. I'm just saying, quit playing with me. Then we get to the part of the episode that really annoys me. See, I know most of y'all, I'm, I'm rational, enough, rational enough to know that most of y'all probably fall on the other side of the fence. But I see through a lot of the bullshit that happens on this show. Kyle is a gaslighter. No fucking lie. He spends all of this like time when he comes outside throwing these passive aggressive digs and comments at Hannah and Paige. And then he gets like super shocked and plays victim when they respond. 
I hate having to constantly be Giggly Squad, like Team Giggly Squad. I don't want to be that. Not after they said that high yellow man should have been James Bond. I didn't say that. Ooh, he found his mother too. I didn't say that, but I don't want to be Giggly Squad all damn day. But certain shit that Kyle does triggers me so fucking badly. It's such toxic masculinity and it annoys every fiber of my being. And it doesn't help that I just watched that damn uh, Operation Varsity Blues documentary about that college admission scandal with Aunt Becky. And uh, he, he just strikes me as the type of parent that'll do that kind of shit one day. I don't know. I'm being real unfair, but I don't give a damn. What does this podcast have to do with being fair? Nothing. Fuck y'all. How about that? <laughs> Child, let's move on to New Jersey before I get the fuck mad. Hell. This was a super fun episode of The Real Housewives in New Jersey, but it wasn't like a ton to dis. It, it wasn't a ton to dissect, but it's an episode that like you just like to watch because it seems like everybody's having fun. I'm not going to get into like the deep nuances of Dolores and David because child just break the fuck up go back with Frank and y'all have some more babies here because I'm sick of you and David I'm just going to focus on the fun of the actual partying that went on during this episode the suspense comes when we find out that Teresa is extending an invitation to Michelle Pice and her husband now keep in mind this damn Joe Gorgas party now why you inviting folk that got beef with him I don't know but you, you know you wouldn't be Teresa if you weren't keeping up a whole lot of shit <laughs> we know Jackie ass ain't coming Jackie uh met with Melissa for lunch one day apparently and uh Melissa told her that she wanted to extend an olive branch Chad they told her to stick the olive branch up her ass Teresa said well maybe she should stick it up Evan's ass and maybe he wouldn't be out here cheating and I ooh. <laughs> y'all better learn how to throw shade in jersey i know that's right shit michelle and john at the party they finally arrive and joe gorga wastes absolutely no time pulling that man aside joe he look joe joe said it's on sightington okay not on site it's on sightington joe said speak bitch no he didn't say that he said, you know, let me know what your, your grievances are. John listed out everything that he did. And he thought that, uh, you know, Joe did handshake deals because he explicitly said that in the like the little event that they put on or whatever. Joe said, yeah, that, you know, th that they would do more after that. Joe was like, well, yeah, you know, as that's, that was the deal. You're supposed to get paid, you know. After that, though, you're supposed to get started to get paid after that. Now, child, Joe, that sounds like a fucking lie. Don't nobody believe that shit. See, you out here gooping these people out of all this money. I believe that shit, Joe. I'm, I ain't trying to get sued, but I believe that shit, Joe. I'm just saying. Let me, Joe, Joe go, let me find out you and Melissa out here gooping these people out their damn stimulus checks. Oh, child, let me not get sued. Let me move on. Michelle <laughs> comes over to Melissa. You know how, hey, y'all, hey, kiki and she is sniggling and giggling melissa like uh-uh it's on sightington with you too she said you saw me at that party but you didn't say anything to me why the hell you running around telling jennifer all my damn business chad listen she said don't worry about it no she <laughs> they basically waited to see if the men were gonna squash it 
Once they squashed it, then they decided they could be cool. Now, see, I like that about Melissa. She said, look, it's on sight if my husband still want to beat your husband's ass. Otherwise, I guess we can go ahead and be cool, girl. I know that's right, Melissa. Uh, uh, wait till Joe decide if he want to whoop that motherfucker ass, and then you decide if you can be friends with or not. Because that's an awkward friendship. If your husband beat my husband's ass, I can't just be hanging around with you going to dinner and lunches and uh, drinking slurpees and shit, and you you beat up all of my hood. My husband got a knot this big on his damn head because you uh uh-uh so y'all did the right thing you waited till they figured it out and then y'all decided y'all can move forward good job as the evening goes on my girl jennifer sladen starts getting sloshed i want to party with jennifer aiden her and bill you know what bill put me in the back of that car you pulled up in and let's go get you know let's go drink some damn like some damn fish i don't know we go find something to do in new jersey hell Child, next time they showed Jennifer, she was, how do I say this politely? She was fucked up, okay? Listen, I don't like that they trying to make Jennifer out to be an alcoholic. If you only getting fucked up at parties to blow off steam because you got as many children as you got bathrooms in your house, then so be it. So be it. Have fun, sis. Let that lady have fun. Not only that, she got a whole husband that's a doctor that can carry her out of the party when she needs to go home. I know that's right now. If you out here drinking, getting that drunk by your damn self, that might be a little problematic. But she got a husband that's going to make sure she gets home safely and is going to make sure that she don't, uh, you know, do it to an illegal limit. What was funny as hell, though, is both of the Joes running out there and helping carry her to the car the same way they did Bill last year. Now, that, that that's a... See that... I'm not going to tell y'all again. Bravo. 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 I said it once. I said it a million times. Give the the husbands. See that? Bravo don't want me to have it. I got choked up saying, oh, Lord. Give the husbands a spinoff show. It ain't got to be just three episodes at the end of the season. Let them go to Vegas for like five days and capture it. I guarantee you. That would be the best shit we've ever seen. And all of us would be trying to party with them. We already already trying to party with them. So let us party with them. Now, before I get out of here, my boy Samaj, who has a podcast coming out, but y'all probably know him as Samaj with an H on Instagram. Y'all know he loves him from New Jersey. So I couldn't let this episode, this little interactive episode, as I call it, go by without him telling y'all what he thought about tonight's episode of Jersey. Hey y'all, it's Samaj from the Instagram account, Samaj with an H, and from the soon coming podcast. Stay tuned for that, but I'm not here to talk about that today. Today I'm here to talk about the Real Housewives of New Jersey, and one scene in particular. It was Teresa's pool party. I love how, you know, her brother basically had to, had to tell her to invite Jackie, even though she wanted nothing to do with that, but it was still a great party. Jennifer got so drunk. Uh, Melissa was there. <laughs> Marge looked great. Dolores looked great. They had on the same shoes. That was really fun. And I really liked how um, how great Teresa looked in her bathing suit. And, of course, Tony the pool guy. I mean, he showed up in that crushed velvet shirt looking amazing. Love, love, love that. And, you know, just watching her get all cozy-feely with him and touchy. You know, giddy like a schoolgirl. It's very cute. Great episode. As always, thanks for listening. Want to support me for free? Just head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podchaser or CastBox and leave me a five-star rating and review. Need to contact me? 
just email me, housewivesmarvelpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram for hilarious memes and all kinds of updates regarding the podcast. That's at Housewives Marvel Podcast. This is Kendrick, and I'll see you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.